right. We're coming on hot, my friend. Fire. Straight fire. Got so much to talk to you about, especially this last story. I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit, Kevin. <laughs> That's good. That's good. We want to give it to him. Give it to him, baby. So this is Screen Heat Miami. I'm Kevin Sharpley. Uh, Jail Martinez. And we are brought to you by Kajik Multimedia. Miami Media and Film Market. Demacol. And Cinevision. And we can't wait to dive into our very special interview today with legendary entrepreneur and founder Alex Mashinsky. Yes. So we said that we were going to talk about the Oscars probably all the way until it's time for the Oscars to air. They're making changes. Serious changes, but kind of a throwback. So what was announced originally by Variety, then picked up by Hollywood Reporter, is that the Oscars will not have, uh, they've gone without hosts before. Now they're going not with one, not two, but with three hosts. Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, Tres, and Wanda Sykes, the three amigas coming together to host the Oscars. But I got to say, Kevin, not without precedent, because 35 years ago, they also had three hosts. This was the 1987 Oscars, Kevin, where they had uh, also a trio of hosts, which included Chevy Chase, which has been making headlines lately with his sort of, um, you know, (laughs) extravagant behavior on sets. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Goldie Hawn and Paul Hogan. Ah. Crocodile Dundee, mate. Paul Hogan. Wow. Paul Hogan. Could you imagine? No. That's, that's not a knife. Uh, that's uh, that's interesting. This is a knife. One of my favorite lines in cinematic history from the 80s. Anyway, that was an interesting year because in 1987, uh, Platoon won the best picture. Oliver Stone won best director, also for Platoon. But you also had guys like Paul Newman winning best actor. Marley Matlin, which I believe for Children of a Sagad, the first uh, female uh, with uh, a deaf actress yeah, to yeah. win, uh, which there's also a nominee this year in that category. So it's like the old becomes new again, right? Yeah. And, and so many interesting things happening 35 years ago. Michael Caine, Hannah and her sisters, Diana West also for that film. Woody Allen won, was also in a bit of hot water lately. Uh, and so it's, it was an interesting year for the Oscars in the late 80s. But it looks like, like all things, history is repeating itself with the new 2022 Oscars being hosted by a trio of uh, very interesting actors and comedians, as they yes. say. Yes. I mean, I'm a Wanda Sykes fan. So You're not? I am. Yeah, I'm a Wanda Sykes fan. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Mm -hmm. what she's going to do. And she doesn't hold back. You know, she's very biting, not in a nasty way, but, you know, in a way that really addresses issues head on. So Mm. (laughs) let's see how head on she gets. Right. I mean, I don't want to say she's the Ricky Gervais of of women uh, hosts. But uh, she really doesn't pull any punches. It's the last time, mate. It's the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Wanda's going to give it to him for sure. And let's see what Amy Schumer and Regina bring to the table. But apparently the format is interesting because they're each going to be allowed one hour of hosting time throughout the three-hour telecast. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to be like 
mixing it up throughout the event where you're going to see Regina, Amy, and Wanda. It's literally going to be like passing the baton over throughout right. the event. So let's see uh, how that is going to work out. That's all the job of Will Packer, uh, who is producing this year's Oscars and directed by Glenn Weiss. So yeah, see how it let's see how it does. Well, Will Packer fan too. So yeah, nothing wrong with little Bill Packer now and then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. so as we know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> you got the puns. You, got you like the that puns. segue, my friend? That was, that was good. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, but I am a Stranger Stranger Things fan as well, as are a lot of people. And I think there are going to be people that are sad that it's coming to an end. Mm. Stranger Things is coming to an end in season five. So... Right. Season four is coming up, and there are a lot of twists and turns that are going to happen in season four. I cannot wait until we actually have more visuals on that one, but it's going to be more evolution of Eleven and more evolution of our friend, the good old Sheriff. Yes, and eleven must be what sixteen in this movie in this series. This I don't know, she's like twenty five. She's thirty five. Six. <laughs> she's having her own kids and going into the upside down, looking for her own children. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's been a great series, a great run for Netflix, obviously, and you know, five seasons is a long time in the streaming world. You know, it seems like not yeah. a long time in traditional broadcast television, but in the streaming world, five seasons, you're you're golden. Yeah, you're golden. And yeah, you know, from the last clip, which wasn't the last clip of the show, it was like an in credit clip. We saw the sheriff in a prison, in a jail, some kind of jail in in Russia, it felt like. So (laughs) and that was really interesting. Everybody thought he was dead. Right. So we'll we'll see. We'll see where that picks up. But I'm sure that that's going to be a big boom for Netflix. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that's going to get up there. I don't know if it's going to compete with my fave, you know, good old Cobra Kai, but it's going to come pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it'll come close. It'll come yeah, close. it's going to come close. But uh, but yes, we have one more story before we jump to our great interview, which... Other you know, we'll strange things. Other, Other strange, strange things. things. You know. But before we get to that, we haven't really talked about our interview, which the interview is from our Bitcoin Bonanza, and it is one of the head, head, head tops in the Bitcoin market. So that one's going to be exciting. We know that we're having, and crypto. So I said Bitcoin, but it's more crypto in the crypto market. We know that there are a lot of movements happening, not only in the crypto market, but everything connected with blockchains, NFT, and uh, the metaverse, which we'll talk about at the bottom. So we did talk about stranger things happening. You just never know in this industry. So many things shifting. People's yeah, names changing and things. Name, but not just people. What happens when the giant global media conglomerate decides to change its corporate name due to the streaming wars? That's what I think. <laughs> We're talking, of course, about the great Viacom CBS changing its name officially to Paramount Global. Or just yeah. Paramount. 
for short, which is which is fascinating to see a, a corporate entity like that completely change its entire branding. And again, it's because these B2B essentially, which had all these sort of sub-brands, now need to sort of create these monoliths to compete with the likes of Netflix and with Disney Plus. And so it all has to ring true because, you know, where do I watch Nickelodeon? Where do I watch CBS? It's all different, but now it's being consolidated, which is what media companies are doing and housing all their IP internally to the point that, you know, Viacom, CBS, which was originally Viacom separately from CBS, then separated then came back together, you know, like a bad relationship. And now they're back <laughs> together again. And I'm sure he won't be good to me this time because I swear to God, if he doesn't, anyway, they're back together again. Uh, and it was originally going to be Viacom and CBS. Now it's Viacom CBS, but now it's all gone. It's only Paramount. Yeah. It's I all mean, Paramount. it's just gotten crazy. Trying it's gotten crazy. Up. Yes, but obviously it's all because they need to monetize their streaming platform, Paramount Plus, right. and make sure that there's no confusion branding-wise in the marketplace, which shows how congested and busy the streaming wars have become because now consumers like us have so many options. And it's come to the point where who do you subscribe to? We don't have the time, the money, the energy to subscribe to everybody. So where can I get the most bang for my streaming book. I do feel there's a lot of credence to what you're saying. Right, right. And there's a story we'll talk about in the outro that kind of lends to that, uh, also from Paramount Plus on the animation side. But I say we jump right into this interview and then we get back to, to this little Paramount saga. I say yes. So here we go. Three, two, one. To that beautiful microphone, you're good to go. All right, we're good. Yes, we're amazing. Welcome to Screen Heat Miami. Alex Mashinsky, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Did, did we get that name right? That's perfect, yes. <laughs> I'm a linguist. So we've had some pretty great interviews since we've been here at Bitcoin 2021. We interviewed Kevin O'Leary this morning, so we were really happy about that. I saw him with a pink jacket. Yeah, that we was good. We had on a pink jacket. And we, we love your shirt. Like we have to get one of those shirts. Yes. But um, free shirts at our booth. So oh, okay. You, you definitely get. You can get one for yourself and one for your wife. That's a great so, price. Yes. Yeah, I can't beat that. <laughs> two, two for one. Yeah, can't <laughs> beat free. that. But uh, but but this is an honor. This is an honor to get this interview. What you've done with your career and the milestones that you've created in your career in different industries has been phenomenal. So we like to focus on the journey of the person. Sure. And, and how the person has gotten to where they're at. So. Can we just kind of start where you're from? You've been through a lot of different regimes and, and what has brought you to where you're at now? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they're kind of in it for the money, for the fame. Um, I, I grew up in communism, right? So where uh, no one gets anything, right? Uh, all day long, they just take stuff from you. And uh, then I, my parents immigrated to Israel in uh, capitalism, uh, sorry, socialism, right, in Israel. And uh, I spent most of my life in uh, capitalism in the United States. So, so I tried all three systems. Uh, there aren't too many people who are alive that did that, right? That, that have tried all three systems that can tell you from personal experience what works and what doesn't work. Right. So, and, and Bitcoin for me, crypto for me is like a fourth system, right? So you, you go, you try the systems that are out there and you're saying, that's not good enough. We're going to build something even better, right? So Bitcoin decentralization crypto it represents a new way a different way 
to basically uh, enable everybody, give everybody equal opportunity. Because even even in the United States, we call it uh, you know the home of the brave, right? It's the country with all unlimited opportunities. We have one percent that has everything. We have ninety-nine percent that don't have anything. That's yeah. really the kind of the split, right? So, and I'm part of the one percent. I'm not sitting here complaining about the one percent. I'm part of the one percent, telling telling you that uh, you know there is a better way. There is a better system. And it's uh, decentralization. Decentralization allows you to really measure people based on their uh, contribution instead of based on how much money they're making. But that's, that's an interesting point. My father's Cuban, so I understand coming from that world. And this idea that we've been speaking about, about the democratization of currency and, and really helping these closed societies and opening up and having access to capital and, and having a way to move forward that's not dependent on their government so to speak, because I think that's the power that these governments have over us, right? Is that they control the currency, they control the flow of, of, of information and money, and that's how they keep us down. But if you can break free of that, then there's so many more opportunities, right? Yeah, it's, it's part of it, because uh, in the United States, the Fed and the government still control the money, uh, but the marketplace is open for everybody. The problem is, is that uh, not everybody has the opportunity, right? So if you're an immigrant, you didn't go to the right school, you didn't have the right friends, you're not gonna have the same opportunity as the guy who just graduated from Harvard and he can get any job he wants. Right. right. So, so decentralization, right, the blockchain, doesn't care, you're white, you're yellow, you're black, it doesn't know who you are, it doesn't know where you live, it doesn't know where you came from. Everybody has the same opportunity. It doesn't matter what country you live in. None of that matters, right, because computer code does not understand any of these things computer code looks at the code and says good not good and if it's good good means the the community adopts it the community votes if it's good or not not some judge not some rich vc not some guy who's going to get you across to the club no okay the right. community decides every time right satoshi wrote a nine page paper nine page paper that's it right right and just released it to the world. It could have been never discovered, but the community picked it up and said, wow, great idea, and started building this stuff. Everything we're seeing here today, built by the community, not by Satoshi, not by the creator. Right, no, it's amazing. It's an old saying that, you know, we should all have, and I really believe in this, we should all have equal opportunity, but not be guaranteed equal success. But I think that this, what we're talking about today, is creating that opportunity for everyone. Yeah, I have, I have so many questions, but just in, in going the back to the <laughs> right <laughs> but but in, in in the vein of the cryptocurrency you know you're not beholden if you're in a country that the ebb and flow of the monetary system right is up or down depending on the environment of the, of the country we talk about venezuela we talk about countries where the monetary value has gone down in the currency crypto does democratize that and allows for you to have this uniform uniform uh, currency, so there right. is a lot of um, openness about that. For sure, yeah, and, and the the history of the monetary system has over 700 fiat currencies that collapsed, basically went to zero, right? And so every fiat currency in history collapsed, right? The United States is like one of the few that is still hanging on after 200 years and is still chugging along. 
but uh, it is doomed because uh, the more money we print, the closer we get to the end of the dollar, right? right. The end of the US dollar. And again, I'm not saying that like, yeah, Bitcoin's gonna win, the dollar's gonna lose. I mean, you know, the the power of the United States of America is the U.S. dollar. It's the reserve currency of the world. Yeah. Right. The U.S. military is protecting not you and me. It's protecting the U.S. dollar. <laughs> sure. You yeah. know, the almighty dollar. <laughs> exactly. When you pay your taxes to the and the half of it goes to the military, it's to protect the dollar. So, so I think what we're doing, we, uh, the you know, the U.S. government, the the, the Treasury, the the Fed is that we, we have this golden goose that's laying golden eggs year after year after year. And we keep plucking you know, more and more feathers and seeing, okay, now let's throw it from the first floor and see if it still lands and still lays egg. It still lays egg. Okay, let's take it to the second floor. Let's print more money. Let's print more money, you know? Right. So, and we keep plucking out all the feathers. What do you think is gonna happen to the goose? It's not gonna survive. Yeah. It's just gonna die. It's not gonna lay any more eggs. So, we can't take for granted what the U.S. dollar is, and we are. We're taking it for granted, right? Absolutely. We keep borrowing against it, right? We keep printing. Printing money is borrowing from the future. Right. Reaching out, stealing from your children. Wow. Because right? it's our children's money. Mm, yeah. Right? They have to pay that in taxes. It's just a loan from the future. Right. Yeah. You know, actually, I think this coming from someone that is in the 1% yep. has a lot of relevance to the conversation. Now... You started in this industry how many years ago, and from what industry did you come from? I know it's transportation, but how did you make that evolution into this industry? Yeah, so like you said, I, I was in telecom, I was in ground transportation, I was in, in electricity, I was doing trading in electricity and uh, helping build the grid the way it is today, electrical grid. Uh, so definitely moved many, uh, many, many different things. I usually jump into an area where I see an opportunity to make something better, right? So, like in crypto, the opportunity is all about, okay, Bitcoin is a great store of value. What's the next big thing? Okay, it's yield. So before DeFi, before all these companies, you know, I was preaching everybody, hey, we, it's all about yield. And people look at me like, what are you talking about yield? You can earn Bitcoin on Bitcoin. And they're like, no, you can't. Right. You, you know, so, uh, so we started showing people how to do it. We've paid over 3,000 Bitcoin as interest, right? So we paid in total over $700 million in interest wow. to almost a million people worldwide. And now go see our booth. I mean, there's like a line. There's like 100 people there all uh, <laughs> celebrating because we allowed a lot of people to really see an en a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Even when you work super hard, you've got two jobs, you pay your taxes, there's almost nothing left. But that's something, the little bit that's left it doesn't work for you. You cannot put it somewhere and have it earn money for you, yeah. right? Because the Fed, the banking system completely stole from us yield, th this right. idea that our money should be earning money. Well, no, it's true because, Alex, and I saw something on the internet, I'm true, but it, anyone that invests, for example, you work all these years to invest in Social Security, right? Yep. And you basically then, at the end, when you're retired, get the equivalent of like 37 grand. But based on all the money you put in, if you were to just put it in an interest-bearing account, you would be receiving almost 100k a year. Right. And we're getting 37k from the federal government for our parents. And that 37k, when you retire in 20 or 30 years, is going to be worth nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So, so because of inflation, right. because of debasement of the currency. So, so again, we're robbing from the future and guaranteeing right? our future poverty. <laughs> exactly. And everything you just said already happened in Russia. Already happened. 
in Venezuela, right? They all had uh, retirement plans from the government. Right. It, that retirement plan in, in dollars is worth few pennies. It know, is. Because the currency got, went down 90%. Wow. So, so, and all the people who think, but we're America, and none of that is going to happen to us, don't understand that all of that is coming here too. Absolutely. Yeah, well, there has been some dynamic changes over the past few years. And this is a big dynamic shift. I mean, a lot of people are talking about this being the fourth wave. Yep. The fourth shift. So this is looking forward to the future. So what do you see happening? Now, you've built this incredible platform. What do you see happening in the transformation of crypto, but also blockchain? Blockchain does encapsulate a lot of different yep. things. So look, still, it's only 1% of the population even knows the crypto exists and Bitcoin exists. So uh, I'm not sure. The 99% think we're crazy and the 1% think that the 99% don't know anything, right? So it's kind of right. like you're either in the tent or you're not in the tent, right? And uh, you know, you got a lot of OGs here on the floor on the, in this room who are working to bring in, to convince people to come to crypto. And frankly, for a lot of people, it's hard. It's hard to, for them to believe that this magical currency that exists somewhere in the cloud that is being mined uh, with electrical power is right. going to somehow one day be bo uh, bigger than the US dollar or bigger than gold or bigger than anything, right? And so for a lot of people, that's a very hard uh, jump, right? It's a leap for them. But when you code to people and you say, look, you can take your dollars, the same dollars you get paid, you pay taxes on, take what's left, put it into an account and earn in dollars, earn 10% interest. Right. No Bitcoin, no special uh, needs, no nothing. Everybody qualifies 10%. That's 100 times more than my bank pays me. Yeah. And no, you're absolutely right. But I think part of convincing the public is, you know, and we've seen stories of the recent volatility, obviously, especially in Bitcoin, taking a little dive. So, you know, how do we kind of pitch this to the general public? Like, are, is this an investment? Is this like the stock market? Or is this really a currency of the future? So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think yield is a much easier sell. Yield right. on dollars is a much easier sell than Bitcoin, store of value, doomsday insurance policy. Right. right? Try and sell insurance to people. No, it's not easy. <laughs> but you tell right. people... Celsius right. gives you interest every Monday. Wow. We took the worst day of the week. We said, you know what? What's the worst day of the week? It's that Monday morning. You wake up at 6 a.m. and you're like, oh my God, I wish I had one more day. Yeah. I wish it was Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But when you look at your email and there's like a few hundred dollars there that you didn't have to do anything for, that just puts a smile on your face. Absolutely. Especially you if know? you get paid on Fridays, right? <laughs> exactly. You just... You just Okay, it just makes the whole week easier, right? Absolutely. So, so we wanted to just focus on that. Just what can we do for people every Monday, every week, consistently, right? Just deliver it every week. And when you get them with that little thing, then they trust you. Then you're like, okay, what else y'all got for me? Well, you need to put some money in Bitcoin. You got to put some money in Ethereum. You got to put some, right? And then you, it's much easier to get these people across the finish line, right? So that's... That was kind of like the secret to Celsius, right? It's like, it's every week, it's dollars and dollars. We weren't trying to sell you stuff. We weren't pushing you to, to the limit. For a lot of people, that's just too hard, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely signing up. <laughs> you, 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 you revolutionized a few different industries. Yes. So it would bear that you 
know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, look, you don't always succeed, right? Like uh, in ground transportation, I created Uber before Uber. It was called Ground Link. Yeah. And we had, again, millions of customers. And Uber came and did it better than us. They subsidized all the rides. They cut all the fees by half, right? And we were like, we can't pay. We can't charge our customers half. And they're right. like, no, we, we have $14 billion. We have big investors. We're just going to allow yappies and rich people to ride around town for half the price. Right. You yeah. know, that didn't make the world a better place, but they were successful. Our slogan was happy drivers equals happy customers. We try to pay the drivers more and have the drivers be nicer to the customers. That was our formula. Right. Right. And we lost out to the people who basically were just subsidizing rides for rich people. So not always a good slogan and a positive thing and doing the right thing wins the race. Yeah. Here we're re- winning the race because the community is so strong. Like we got copycats, Celsius has copycats, but the community is like, I'm, I'm not giving you my coins. I'm sticking with Celsius. You know, they're in it for the right thing, you know? Right. But we'll pay you higher rate. You know, we got VCs, they're subsidizing our rate. They're like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the crash so, and burn. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's funny, I, I have an AMA every Friday at 1 p.m. on, on YouTube. And I've been doing it for three years, you know, and we got tens of thousands of uh, followers and stuff. And now every one of our competitors has an AMA <laughs> on Friday at one o'clock. Right? They think that that solves the, that's going to get the community going. You know, I just love it. It's like so. Yeah. Do so, do what that guy's doing. That's that's going to get us something. Just copy everything he's doing. <laughs> Must work. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So we appreciate you taking this time out. We saw how busy you are, and giving us this. Now, 16 minutes has been a gift. No, sure. Look, I, I, look parting thoughts, right? So first, uh, crypto, Bitcoin is not the right thing for everybody. Uh, you know, some people like put their life savings and they do it at $60,000 a coin and they get wrecked or they take a mortgage on the house. That's not what Bitcoin is about, right? So people have to be careful. You have to learn it over time. You got to get through a bear market. Right, so you gotta slowly buy a little bit every month, right? Just a little bit, average your way in. And mm. uh, that's a very, very important message because the worst thing for us as a community is if we, hoo-ha, everything, Bitcoin is all-time high, we bring in 10 million people, they all lose money and they leave us and they hate us forever. Right. Right, yeah. so you don't want that. So you want, you want slow accumulation and it's important that people hear that and each person has to only put in what they can afford to lose. Even if it's 1%. I met a woman here yesterday who came to me. She shook my hand. She's like, I put $84. That's all the money I had three years ago. I put it all with you guys. Uh I was like, you shouldn't put all the money. She's like, no, but I did amazing. I'm like, great. Now take off some off the table. She's like, you want me to sell your coins? I'm like, yes, sell my coin. Because you got to take some money off the table too. Yeah. Okay. All these things go up, they go down. So sometimes when you did very well, if you did... The better you did, the more you're going to take some, take it off, pay off some of the other bills, pay off your credit cards. At least cover your position. Exactly. Uh-huh. Be a free rider, right? right that's, yeah. that's what it's all about. So this way we all win together, right? And yeah. every member of the community stays in the community. They bring their friends. They tell everybody else how it's done. HODL, right? Right. And we win together. So those are the things that I think are are lessons that are very important and I think we all need to 
You guys do the same thing. You deliver the message. You're here working every day. Absolutely. So I don't have to tell you that, but your listeners, I mean, uh, I think they need to know the, you know, what it's all about. Patience and perseverance. Yep. Absolutely. Alex, well, you've been very patient and very gracious with us, so really appreciate you taking the time out of this conference. Yep, and keep doing God's work. Absolutely. All we'll right. be over to Take your care. booth in just a couple <laughs> Sounds of like minutes. A go, go get your shirts. Yeah, <laughs> go get your shirts. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Thanks. And we're back. Yes. That was a good one. Man, we were on the cusp. <laughs> we're always on the cusp. We're always on the cusp and ahead of the cusp. Yeah, so Bitcoin 2021 wasn't all Bitcoin. As a matter right. of fact, it was more everything related to crypto on the blockchain and less just the monetary right. part. Right. So that was really, really um, a great interview to hear that spoke on not only the Bitcoin part of it, but the greater uh, area, which is you know, all the talk now, really, sure. all the talk, um, almost all the talk because animation has really exploded. We didn't talk at the top of the key about an event that's upcoming in conjunction with film London and the Miami medium film market, an animation yes. event. Absolutely. So yes, thank you for that, Kevin. We are hosting a live webinar on February 24th, Get Animated in 2022, which you can register. You can find Get Animated in 2022 on Eventbrite, or you can go to miamimediafilmmarket.org and you can register for free for this event, a special live interview with some of the top animation producers from the UK, as we mentioned, have a special introduction by Adrian Wooten, who's the head of Film London and the British Film Commission, talking about their global animation strategy, as well as a true legend in animation out of New York and Los Angeles, Fred Seibert, who's done so much work in animation from co-founding uh, MTV to basically creating a juggernaut out of a very young and struggling Nickelodeon network back in the 80s to running... Hanna-Barbera and their iconic brands and creating new brands in the 90s to other films, other cartoons, you know, uh, Adventure Time, Castlevania for Netflix, which is a huge hit, huge hit there. And now with Fred Films continuing to produce no more content with Sony and Netflix. So Fred Seibert will be on as a special guest panelist, as well as Miami and Bogota based iCartoons, uh, Peter Lopez and Jorge Otero, who have done a ton of great work for the Hispanic market and in Latin America with both what was formerly Viacom, now Paramount, including Nickelodeon and Televisa, as well as, as Cartoon Network in Latin America. And they're going to be talking a little bit about their work in Spanish language animation as well. So a real diverse set of panelists talking about the world of animation, which again, because of the streaming war wars, has become truly global, regardless yes. of language. Yes, yes. And we can see that with the uptick in foreign language shows becoming big hits. So, sure. you know, these borders are really blurring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at Spain with Money Heist 
and some of these other uh, regional shows. Squid I love this Game. Show. Squid I mean, Game. I mean, yeah, you can't get any bigger than Netflix. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that that was huge. You know, for a Korean show to be so popular worldwide, and again, it just it shows that the world is becoming smaller. Content no longer sees borders as an obstacle, and we're just getting hit with some of the best stuff, not only from from the traditional places of Hollywood and L.A. and New York, Miami, whatever, but really from all over the world. Yeah. Yep. And we can feel a push, a global push in animation happening. I mean, I'm my animated self right now, actually. Right. You're back uh, in Zavatar mode, which again, Kevin, as I mentioned off camera, we are still looking for my uh, Zavatar. (laughs) It's coming. I want to join the party. It's coming. Maybe we'll post a little bit of this on on the website. But animation is coming to everyone. They're really, really pushing animation globally and we talked at the top of the key about paramount and their name change but paramount is given a one-two punch because not only are they changing their names changing their name they're giving a punch into animation they are yeah paramount plus is doubling down according to animation magazine on adult animation because remember animation is not just for kids anymore kids uh south park the great south park be and beavis and butthead will be expanding uh within the paramount plus platform now it's interesting with south park because obviously it's a comedy central property which is what was formerly viacom now paramount and but it had an exclusive streaming deal up until i believe next year or 2024 with uh hbo max yeah so but again similar to what happened with netflix the owners of the ips the studios are pulling their content from these really uh lucrative mon- uh sorry licensing deals and pulling them back into their own platforms and it looks like so for a short time, if you are an HBO Max subscriber, you can watch every episode of South Park from season one to 25, which, by the way, season 25 is just as good as season one. It's so good. this season. <laughs> but eventually that's all going to be gone. So HBO Max thought this was going to be a huge moneymaker for them. But because they don't own the IP of South Park, they were pretty much licensing it from Paramount. They're going to have to give it back when that license expires. And so all the world of South Park content will solely and exclusively live on Paramount Plus, along with some oldies but goodies from the MTV days, Beavis and Butthead, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hey, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) what's going on kevin (laughs) yeah podcasting rules (laughs) i I think that's a good idea though kevin i think they should give beavis and butthead their own podcast as a way to promote the paramount i I bet i bet they're gonna do it actually i bet they're gonna do it and you know i'm just looking towards this expansion in adult animation in a lot of different ways new titles i mean you know, animation does give more of a, a safer haven mm. for content creation because, you know, you don't necessarily have to be in the room with anyone to create the animation pipeline. You can be, but, you know, you can do uh, animation at socially safe distances, but also you can do animation globally. Uh, like my company, you know, we work with companies around the world. So, mm-hmm. and it's exciting times, especially if you are in the animation world realm, but also if you love animation, which is only going to get 
even bigger with the expansion of the metaverse. Mm-hmm. We've been yeah. talking about the metaverse for a minute, but is the metaverse real until Disney steps into the market? The house of mouse. The mouse definitely- in the metaverse. Oh, boy. So, yeah, this was a, a great article, Kevin, uh, that you found on CNBC that Disney has a new executive in charge of the metaverse assigned by Bob Chapek. Uh, I'll, I'll get his name right eventually. <laughs> uh, an executive named Mike White is going to now lead the company's metaverse strategy. This is the guy who comes from more from the Silicon Valley places uh, as opposed to Hollywood. And he's going to figure out apparently new ways to monetize the metaverse and to tell stories for what they're calling the next generation of storytelling. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've been on as a storyteller myself uh, ever since that foray into virtual reality and augmented reality and, you know, what is that going to look like? And I'm very excited about this new layer of storytelling because it allows people that are content creators the ability to tell their stories across, you know, these different platforms and if you are a content creator or a storyteller, you realize that although certain platforms have limitations, other platforms are expansive and you can tell the story in different ways. So what this allows for is more bilateral communication with the audience and participatory uh, connections. So right. this is exciting. And of course, you know, Disney is all about that uh, participation which maximizes their bottom line. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I I can imagine what their metaverse is going to look like. And it's not just, you know, the virtual reality put on the glasses metaverse. They're talking about augmented reality. I can imagine augmented reality experiences when you come into the park and, you know, you're able to see different things take place. Uh, I mean, that will actually transform your Disney experience. And, you know, just make it more, more modern. I mean, you know, Disney has changed a bit over time, Disney World and Disneyland, but I can only imagine what this is going to allow for and transformative in that you will be able to um, experience so many different things. So that's why, you know, I could see why they picked Mike, Mike White, who, who really has more of a tech background because you, you know, you have to have an understanding of AI and uh, ML and a lot of, you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence and a lot of the things that come along with these kinds of expansions. So, yeah, absolutely. And it was an interesting statement by Chapek who said connecting the physical and digital worlds. And he means, you know, once they've finished draining my credit card, they're going to figure out a way to drain <laughs> me of my damn Bitcoin too. Yeah. 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 That is exactly. Um, well, you know, I'll just leave it there. Damn you, Disney. <laughs> just take my money. Yeah. But <laughs> there is someone that is bucking the trend and is not so happy about the way things have evolved mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Yeah. And that person is Francis Ford Coppola, arguably one of the greatest filmmakers of his generation. And, you know, definitely, you know, one of the top filmmakers of all time. Right. Doesn't seem too yeah. happy. Yeah, no, he's not. And, you know, you don't want to make the Godfather unhappy. 
you know, I think we, we alluded to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Apparently, he went even farther than Scorsese, calling some Marvel movies despicable, while supporting that critical idea that theme that superhero movies are closer to theme parks than they are to cinema. But he did clarify later that he wasn't talking about Marvel movies specifically, just saying it's despicable how the film industry now values commerce over art. Mm. And, and, you know, I was saying before, Kevin, that this, there was a time when the Scorsese's of the world and the Francis Ford Coppola's of the world and the Sidney Lumet's of the world were all coming up together when these really gritty indie films were all really studio projects. Yeah. And there's an amazing documentary about it, A Decade Under the Influence, that everyone listening to this should watch, about how these great, amazing, organic, cinematic thrill rides of films were made between the late 60s and the early 80s that are uncomparable to any other generation since the invention of the camera, in my opinion. And so you're taking the filmmakers who were basically starting their careers and, and gaining popularity and during that time, now seeing how much this industry has become sort of a manufactured commodity versus an artistic experience. Yeah, and that has definitely happened. I mean, there's so much money going into these tentpole films. And that's really, you know, more than anything, what they're making is right. these tentpole films. And, you know, you, you talk about too big to fail. So yeah. is you yeah. know, a, a big formula. Well, not a big formula, but, you know, they can become formulaic. And so yeah. I think that that's, you know, what they're alluding to. But Francis Ford Coppola goes on to say uh, even good studio films like Dune and No Time to Die feel similar. Yeah. And that's from a Variety uh, article. And they're entirely different films. I mean, Dune is a sci-fi thriller. And but that Villeneuve turned, you know, definitely more dramatic. And um, No Time to Die is James Bond. You know, it's an action, yeah. action adventure. So, I mean, that, that's saying a lot. That's saying right. a lot. Two entirely different types of films feeling, yeah. you know, rather this paint by numbers. Paint by numbers. Yeah, no, you're, that's a great way to put it, Kevin. And I think that, you know, the only thing we can have uh, sort of, and I think this is sort of, uh, this is a challenge and a statement and an encouragement to our indie filmmakers that you have the voice outside of the system to create new and engaging stories and characters that we've never seen or heard before told in new and original ways, because unfortunately the machinery is not going to do that for us. No. It's, up, it's up to the indie filmmaker really. And that's why you and I are both huge fans of the film festivals that honor these indie filmmakers and the independent cinema world that really is going to be a beacon of light in sort of this huge corporate constant consolidation of something that feels big but all the same that was a mouthful <laughs> wow it's a and call that, to action yeah yeah i mean um i just want to read something here from the article from francis Ford coppola there used to be studio films now there are marvel pictures and what is a marvel picture a marvel a marvel picture is one prototype movie that is made over and over and over and over and over again to look different. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think that he pulled any punches on that one, just like Wanda Sykes. Um, right. There were no Sykes there. No. So, hey, I'm, I, I love Marvel films, though. 
and uh, No Time to Die, I enjoyed it as well. So mm -hmm. I think that there's a, a place for everything. But certainly, you know, we want to make sure that um, other types of cinema. I mean, I loved Coda, for example, uh, Pig, um, and the list goes on and on of, you know, yeah. a lot of these films that are nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we just have to see how that where the evolution takes us. Yeah, I'll well, the way. evolution of this podcast is taking us somewhere. We're not sure yet, but I think it's somewhere good, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, definitely in a good place. So with that being said, um, we are going to go into the horizon on this one. Looking forward to our next podcast. Thank you, listeners, for being on this ride with us. I'm Kevin Sharpley. I'm JL Martinez. And this is Screen Heat Miami.